Hello and welcome to This Week at Charlestown Road, a branch of the Heavenbound Podcast. My name is Jason Harden. I'm here with Roger Schaus. This is where we reflect on the weekend that was. We dig a little deeper into a recent sermon to give you something to think about as this week unfolds and preview what's to come this next weekend at Charlestown Road. Roger, this past Sunday morning, you spoke to us about the people of God. Yeah, it was it was an interesting lesson. It's a takeoff from Matthew chapter 16, and it's on our website. And if you haven't listened to it, you might want to go back there and look at that. But we look at that section from verses 13 down to verse 23. And out of that, immediately four great lessons are found. We find Peter's great confession that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, that heaven declared that. He didn't just get that from looking at Jesus. The second major concept, of course, is about the church that Jesus is going to establish in verse 18. We find it singular. It's possessive. It's his church. And it's powerful because the gates of Hades will not overpower it. And the very next verse talks about the entrusting of the authority to the apostles. The keys of the kingdom were given to Peter and the apostles. And that gave them the authority to make law as it had been made in heaven. And then we ended in verse 21 where Jesus talks about the absoluteness of his death. Five specifics are stated there. He tells us where it's going to take place in Jerusalem. He tells us what's going to happen. He's going to suffer many things. He tells us who's going to do this, the elders and the chief priests. He tells us what's going to happen, and that's he's going to be killed, but the outcome is he's going to be raised up on the third day. Very, very specific about those things. Now, having said that, verse 21 This is when Peter, in verse 22, says something that's just not accurate. He takes Jesus aside. He rebukes Jesus, if you can imagine that, and says, God forbid it, Lord, this shall never happen to you. That little phrase, never happen, is a double negative in the Greek. It means no, never. This will not happen, ever. You will not die. And, of course, that's why Jesus came. God so loved the world, he gave Luke chapter 19, I came to seek and save that which was lost. So in the very following verse, the Lord takes Peter aside and rebukes him and says, get behind me, Satan, you're a stumbling block to me, for you're not setting your mind on God's interest but man's. Now that gave us the the bridge and the, the, the direction we went with the rest of the sermon as we talked about slander. We live in times today where politicians, uh, the press, they can say anything they want to say, and it may not even be close to the truth. And it hurts, it wounds reputations, and it tries to destroy people. That concept we trace through the Old Testament and through the New Testament is something that God really condemns. Among his people, he doesn't want us to have that slanderous, gossipy, busybody mouth. And so that lesson really laid out some principles. And and we talked about it, and I'd have you go back there to listen. We're not going to go through it right now, but that, that common excuse that people say, well, someone said to me, or I have heard, or I'm just repeating what someone said, uh, that just doesn't fly in the New Testament. If we're going to be disciples of Jesus, we need to act like Jesus. So what we want to do now is not to go back over that, but we want to talk about this phrase, the people of God. We belong 
to God and what that really means. Yeah, you know, that. Uh, what a powerful two words at the end of the, the title of your sermon, of God, or uh, we could just as easily attach that of Christ. It, it makes me think of Jesus in John chapter 15 when he compares himself to the vine, right? We are the branches. We bear the fruit that he would have us empower us to bear a branch is of the vine, right? And that's exactly what we're talking about. But I think one of the powerful ideas there in your sermon is that I can just as easily, perhaps more easily be of the devil as of God, right? The same Jesus who in in John chapter 15 said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He warned in John chapter 8, some, he said, you are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and the father of lies. Now that's strong, very straightforward language. And it was a a strong sermon, right? This past Sunday morning, but the sort of sermon periodically that we need to be reminded of that I, I can't say, well, I am of God and do the devil's work, right? I can't say that I'm of Christ and have my mind set on earthly things. It is absolutely pivotal that we would understand of God means I need to be like God. The the very expression Christian, it means belonging to Christ. Yeah. It means of God or of Christ. The, uh, the apostle would say in the book of Ephesians in chapter 2, verse 5 and 6, he says, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Verse 6, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. There's again that idea that we're with Christ, we're of Christ, we belong to Christ. Uh, you know, when, when uh, we, we think about uh, different avenues of maybe someone representing a, a school, representing the country, uh, you, you carry those characteristics. And so as a Christian, we are to carry the characteristics of Christ. And so as the world is just flapping their, ju- their jaws here and there, saying anything they want to say, we are of Christ. And when people have a heart that's evil and wicked, we are of Christ. And that those reminders keep us from doing the things that we shouldn't be doing. All right. So here we are in the middle of the week, a few days post-sermon, as you mentioned, and I would highly recommend sermons available in our sermon podcast feed, freely available at charlestownroad.org. But here we are in the middle of the week, and maybe going back to Proverbs chapter 6 would be a good, just practical bridge to walk across here. What's it going to look like as I head for work in the middle of the week, or as I'm thinking about going back to school, creeping closer or closer, I live in the community, whatever it is, what's it going to look like, practically speaking, to be of God rather than 
of our adversary, the devil. And Solomon, in the span of four verses, gives us seven practical things. Roger, I'd love to think with you about over the course of our last few minutes together. Proverbs 6, verse 16, Solomon writes, there are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. Let's just stop right there for a moment. What in the world is an abomination, do you think? Abomination would be a transgression, and you might say, well, what's a transgression? It it is a sin. These are things that are opposite of God. They are not of God. They're not of Christ. God's nature is holy. God's nature is righteous. These are unrighteous things. And, And even before we read this list, uh, in our culture today, they would, uh, people have this idea coming even from the modern church that God loves everything. There is nothing that God hates. That's not what you're going to find here. Yeah. And you're going to find in this list, especially when you get down to the last one, there's a statement there that's going to be shocking to a lot of people here. And again, to realize there are things that God, so if I am of God, I'm standing with God, I'm going to hate what God hates. Yeah, yeah. Fundamental to discipleship is if God hates it, I need to learn to hate it. If God loves it, I need to learn to love it, right? So he gives us seven things that are an abomination to him. And number one is haughty eyes. What are haughty eyes well it's not uh it's not your eye color it's not <laughs> it's not what you do to your eyelashes haughty eyes is is the idea of pride arrogance someone who's we use the expression looking down upon someone else i am better than you are self-righteous attitude imagine me stooping down to talk to you imagine me doing that that's be- that's beneath my 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 uh my status or who I am. So haughty eyes is an attitude. It's the way you look at the world and you look at others. I am better than you are. And and it's just wrapped around pride. Too much of self. That's the problem there. Why do you think God hates that in human beings? Well, when you look at the life of Jesus, it's just the opposite of Jesus. A haughty-eyed person would never ever go to Samaria. Imagine a Jew going to Samaria. No way. Jesus did. Imagine uh, going to the home of a tax collector. Jesus did. Imagine touching a leper. Jesus did. Imagine having someone with who has an issue of blood coming up and, and getting cleansed and healed by you. Jesus said, haughty eyes would never do any of that. That was the problem of the Pharisees. Uh, we, we are better than everyone else. How can you, being the Messiah, eat with sinners? Uh, they had haughty eyes. And so the haughty-eyed person will, will look at somebody on Sunday morning and say, oh, you have a tattoo. What are you doing here? The haughty-eyed person would say, you're sitting in my seat. The haughty-eyed person would say, you know, we don't want your kind here. Uh, that's arrogance. That's ungodly, and that's wrong. Yeah, both are created in the image of God. What what a powerful thing to attach to this of God phrase, right? Each and every human being bears the image of God. And so for one to convince themselves somehow I can look down on this fellow image bearer, God hates that. Number two, a lying tongue. Why do you think God hates lying tongues? Well, because uh, 
you know, it's just dishonest. And, and you're telling somebody something that's dishonest. You're going to hurt somebody. You're going to ruin someone's reputation. As our lesson wrapped around this, <clears throat> this idea of slander and gossip, that's exactly where it comes from. Saying something that's not true or not checking the facts out, not finding out for yourself. I just have heard this, so I'm just telling it because that's the way I heard it. I saw this on social media, so I'm just spreading this. Uh, and, and if you don't verify those things, you hurt other people. And, and God has no place for that. In, in the Ten Commandments, we, we find listed there, and we'll find it read even here a little bit later on, the false witness. Uh, someone who lied as a witness, you could ruin or even end somebody's life. And so God has no part of that. All right. So seven things that are an abomination to God. Number one, haughty eyes. Number two, a lying tongue. Number three, hands that shed innocent blood. Yeah, we, we would just simply say murder, uh, taking life, hurting somebody physically, hurting somebody verbally, hurting somebody just because you, you, you want to do that. And, you know, life is in the blood, as God told Noah, and God has no place for that. Thou shalt not kill is one of the Ten Commandments. This is a serious, serious statement, and we find that uh, that is so uh, misused today. The idea that uh, somebody will just shoot somebody because they're angry, somebody will hurt somebody just for some money, uh, are, are times have lost the sense of compass and, and preciousness of life. If we're listening, we're starting to notice a pattern, I hope, because Solomon has moved from eyes to tongues to hands. Now he talks about, number four, a heart that devises wicked plans. Yeah, that's just a wicked heart. Um, Rather than thinking good, thinking how I can help things, thinking about how I could encourage someone, I, I lay in bed thinking about robbing a bank. I think about how I can hurt somebody. I think about wicked things. You know, you're, you're, a wicked mind thinks wicked plans. And so here's somebody who's just, his heart is not pure like God. And so God hates this. Rather than using the moments God has given us on this planet for good things, you're, you're, you're just focused upon wrong things. Um, no one walks into a bank and just all of a sudden thinks, you know, give me your money. He, he has thought that out. He has planned that. Someone who is embezzling from their company, he has thought that out. He has devised wicked plans. And so, so again, something that God detests, God hates those things. All right. From eyes to tongue to hands to heart to number five, God hates feet that make haste to run to evil. Yeah, feet, feet that run rapidly to evil is how the New American Standard says it. And we, and we need to see through this list here, it's not that God just hates the toes. <laughs> this is not literal. He's talking about, he's talking about the person whose behavior yeah. is ungodly. And so quick to do wrong, quick to do evil. Um, you know, uh, we've seen this in, in our uh, media here in the past several years. A mob breaks out. Somebody throws a brick through a window. Then several bricks are going through the windows. And then people are rushing in, and they're, they're grabbing things. They're stealing from companies. Uh, that's feet that's running rapidly to evil. What they're doing is wrong, and they are, they are engaging in that with, with a haste and with a un, unbridled abandonment. That we're, we're just going to do this. And, and again, we've seen 
the pain and the sorrow causes communities. Even in our community, those things have taken place. All right. So eyes, tongue, hands, heart, feet, even number six, we're still with our pattern, breath, a false witness who breathes out lies. Yeah. And, and again, you know, the, so twice in this list here, God's talking about lying. Now we're dealing more the the uh, technical sense of a false witness. Uh, under the Old Testament system, a person was found guilty of some crime, of, of a sexual problem, of murder. You bring in witnesses. And a witness could determine whether the person is innocent, goes free, or he's going to suffer punishment, even his life being taken from him. A false witness is someone who's made this up. A false witness is someone who's lying. And and so God hates that because in many ways you may be injuring or ruining an innocent life. Uh, there were false witnesses that put Jesus to the cross. Uh, there was nothing that Jesus did worthy of the cross. But the lies came about, and that's what they hung their hat upon. All right. So God hates haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies. But there's one more. Last one. One who sows discord among brothers. Yeah. Uh, Division. Causing trouble and just just raising a controversy that's just going to alienate people. Now, why once notice with this last phrase, and 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 this is a common thing we've heard all of our lives. God hates sin, but He loves a sinner. There's there's a reality to that because Jesus died on the cross for us sinners. But we notice here, God doesn't hate the spreading of strife. He hates the one who does that. God does not like the behavior that we do that's ungodly. And so whether we talk about within the family, whether we talk about within the congregation of God's people, spreading things that's going to cause trouble is not the spirit that God wants. You should be building up. You should be encouraging. We should be connecting closer together. The one who's in there who's causing trouble, spreading things, saying things, doing things that's just going to irritate. It's like picking a scab off. It's just going to cause bleeding and bleeding. God detests that. That is wrong. As we flip to the New Testament, there are strong actions about those who will do that. Uh, they are to be marked from Romans 16. Discipline will follow because this is something we don't just look the other way. This is harming the people of God, and God will not tolerate those things. If we are going to be the people of God, we have to act like God. Such a fundamental point. But, Roger, I really appreciate your boldness, your your willingness to take us into some of these scriptures that really step on our toes, right? But it has an aim, and the aim is to be like God, to hate what God hates, to love what God loves, to call sin. If God calls it sin, we need to call it sin. If he rebukes it, we need to be willing to rebuke it. As he corrects us, we need to accept his correction and hold each other accountable because 
Our great aim is to be the people of God. Really important sermon. If you missed it or would like to revisit it, charlestownroad.org or in our sermon podcast feed. Roger, we're devoting Wednesdays even this summer to seeking to grow as the people of God. This evening, 7 o'clock p.m., our summer series continues. Yes, our theme is from the hymn, Higher Ground. And what we've done is we've just taken different expressions from that wonderful hymn. Uh, it fits very well with our theme this year of finish what was started. And so this evening we've invited Philip Shoemake to come and be with us. And his topic is going to be Lord lead me on. And so we invite all of our listeners to come to this. If you, if you're too far away, just grab it on our websites, live stream. They'll be there after services as well. And again, just that concept of higher ground. Uh, that's not just talking about heaven. That's talking about the behavior and the attitudes we need to manifest. In many ways, this world is a sewer, and we need to climb out of that mud and realize we are the people of God, and we need to be on a higher level, a higher plane. Not that we're better than others, but we're following Jesus, and God expects more from us. Absolutely. I've got the opportunity to preach this coming Sunday morning, 9.30 a.m. I'm bouncing off of our recent vacation Bible school. We've talked about the ark door and the Passover door, Lord willing, this Sunday morning, 9.30 a.m., we'll be walking together through the sheep door. In the meantime, Roger, really appreciate your sermon, appreciate you joining me today, and we appreciate all of you for listening to This Week at Charlestown Road. We would love to see you tonight at 7 o'clock p.m. We're already looking forward to Sunday, the best day of the week. We would love to have you come and grow with us.